Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Handoff. Foster running right across the five. He gets in. Arian Foster, his third touchdown of the day. And the Texans are beating up Indianapolis. What is good? What is up? It's Jordan or Texans Thoughts, and we're back with another episode today. We've got a bit of an emergency debate to be had, and we've got my friend John Crumpler, Texans Doc from the Texans Wire, joining me today to discuss the Debo Samuel trade request and the Texans' rumored interest. John, thank you for joining me today. How you doing, my guy? Jordan, I'm doing pretty well. Thank you for uh, for having me on. This was a little excitement I was not expecting in the, the Texans universe. I thought it would be a little more chill until Monday, but all the same, pretty fun. And I've been surprised uh, watching where everyone falls on the issue of whether or not this would be a good idea for the team. Me too. Me too. I woke up and saw this notification. So I'm, I'm Western time or Pacific time. So I'm a little bit later. So I woke up and saw this notification. Like, what the heck? Debo Samuel? And then the Texans actually being interested, it was a really big shock to me. I was not looking, I was not expecting it whatsoever, right? Like you said. Um, and my initial reaction was like, Debo Samuel, a star, one of the best offensive weapons in the NFL for just a 13 pick. Like, okay, okay, I can, I can get behind that. But there's a lot of layers to be peeled back in this potential trade. And we're going to get into those today. Um, just first off to show kind of what we're talking about, the athletics, um, Tim, I'm going to mess up his name, but Tim Kawakami, I believe is reporting that the Houston Texans are, you know, brought up the most in this Debo Samuel um, chatter in terms of being interested in them. He actually said last night on April 19th, last evening i guess last afternoon um it's no surprise but i've been told a team to watch in any possible wide receiver trade talk around the draft is houston which holds the third and 13th picks in the first round 13th seems like the one in conversations that of course would include any potential Debo samuel interest so he's kind of thrown out there um that the texans are very much interested and then he clarified today saying basically major point I don't know if 49ers and Houston have had talks or if that would be Debo's first choice, but there's chatter that Houston is interested. So I guess what I want to start this off by saying is that Houston's interest is definitely all rumored up until this point. Um, the main kind of like, you know, your Ian Rapports, Adam Schefters, those guys have said like some other teams are interested and haven't listed the Texans. So we got to take this all with a grain of salt, of course. But let's get into the hypothetical scenario of this, John, because it's really, really interesting. It's not often... It that a player of Debo Samuel's caliber gets to, you know, hit, I wouldn't say the open market per se, but is available. Um, what is your initial reaction to this trade? Are you all for it? Are you hesitant? What are your thoughts? My initial reaction, and I don't know if you felt this way, I was surprised that Casario's even leaked that the Texans would be interested. This feels very um, kind of contrary to how they've built the team so far. They have been collecting assets and eventually you have to cash in. But what they've kind of shown us so far in the 2022 offseason is this is not our time to go all in yet. They brought yeah. back most of their own guys. They didn't want to overspend or even pay market value for free agents who would be upgrades at positions. 
it kind of has looked like the emphasis is going to be on culture over talent, aside from the rookies, of course, we've got talent mm-hmm. coming in that way, but the sellout to improve wasn't going to come yet. So my initial thought was, are you serious? And my second <laughs> thought is as a, we see the league from different perspectives. You kind of see things from the scouting and the talent perspective. And I mm-hmm. love those talent, but the 13th pick would be steep. That was uh, my initial mm-hmm. thoughts. Yeah, that's fair. Honestly, I think the way that I saw it, yeah, you're right. We we do look at it from different perspectives and, and I hear where you're coming from. I feel like the 13th pick when you're looking at, at that in particular as kind of the base of this trade, the major piece to me, you know, first of all, trade or sorry, draft picks are always, you know, they're not a guarantee, right? We don't know if the taxes are going to hit on that pick. They have, what is it? Six first round picks over the next three years. I would say the odds that we make all those selections aren't that high right off this bat. So potentially using that at, to get a, you know, certified, maybe what top seven, I would say the lowest you could go is top 10 wide receiver in the NFL. Like Debo Samuel has proved that he's extremely productive, extremely versatile, um, can do wide receiver things, can do running back things. And so I think at that 13th pick, like it's going to be really tough to find a player who is better than Debo Samuel. Um, I know a lot of Texans fans are high on wide receivers in this draft, but do you see kind of any of those wide receivers in that 13 range? Do you, do you think that they compare to Debo Samuel? I mean, they might, but they all have holes in their game or they'd be going mm-hmm. higher like Jamar Chase did last year. I do agree with you. The odds of finding a player who is better than him at 13 seems very unlikely. I would rather have him on our football team than any of the rookie wideouts. But for me, it's a conversation of the opportunity cost because Mm -hmm. you're not just acquiring Debo Samuel. One, you're trading away the first round contract. It's a great deal. It's supposed to be an elite player on a really team friendly salary. It goes three to four to five to six million dollars like per year, at least in the top 10, I'm pretty sure. And then you have the fifth year option if you need it. So we'd be giving that up. And then the contract extinction uh, with how things look right now, I think we would need to backload a lot of his money on to 2023 and 2024. And if we're paying Debo Samuel, let's say we're paying him $25 million next year would be fair for what I think he probably expects. That's a premier free agent that we're no longer able to sign. So I'm looking at the cost of, you're losing two players to go get him. And is he better than the two guys? Like, are, is a premier free agent going to want to come to Houston? I don't know. Mm-hmm. But it seems like they're taking away the flexibility. Or if on draft night, um, I don't know if you feel this way, but I could see a situation where Malik Willis or Kenny Pickett fall to 13 and we're able to trade with New Orleans or trade with, with Pittsburgh. So it feels like closing a lot of doors to go all in on Samuel. Yeah, I, I would agree. It gives us less flexibility, versatility. Um, but I think that's kind of a trade-off you take to get a guy who's so unique like Debo. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'll, I'll pull, up, pull up the kind of the stats I tweeted out earlier today. And then I'm, I want to talk about the cap point that you made because I think that's a very interesting part of it. Um, Debo Samuel in 2021 put up just absurd numbers. So first of all, he played all 16 games. I know a lot of people are like, oh, he, he's injury prone. He has had some injuries, but he played 16 games in 2021 and he played 15 in 2019. He did miss some games in 2020 and he's had some college injuries, but I think injury prone is going a bit too far for him. Um, But I mean, these stats are insane. 1,770 all-purpose yards, which would rank third amongst running backs and wide receivers. 
He was fifth in just purely receiving yards. And what I found interesting is, is he was only 24th in, in targets. Like he really isn't like a big time. Like you have to feed him the ball for him to be productive. Like he's just super efficient like that. Um, 14 total touchdowns. So that's including, I think he had eight receiving and six rushing. Um, and then super efficient numbers there, as you can see. So I wanted to bring that up first, just kind of talk about the caliber of talent that we're talking about here, which is what makes me be willing to kind of sacrifice some of that versatility, flexibility that you mentioned, um, because it's hard to find a guy like this. And then second off, to your point about the cap, like that's definitely a big, big talking point about this. But I think I kind of go back, I push back against it for two points. Number one, the Texans have so much future cap space. We've been opening up cap space the past two damn years. We've been making all of these moves to free ourselves up for 2023, 2024, 25, and beyond. And in 2024, we have seven players under contract. In 2025, we have just one player under contract. So we know that this roster is barren. We know this is like the beginning stages of the rebuild. We have the financial flexibility to pay a guy like Debo Samuel on top of paying a guy, another wide receiver like Brandon Cooks, who just inked his extension. I think the financial aspect of this is a bit overblown because we have that, we have the clear books, we have the open books, and we've seen time and time again, the salary cap can be manipulated very, very easily. So to me, you always are going to have to pay for talent, um, especially a guy like Debo Samuel, who's so unique and, and productive. And he's the type of guy that I would want to take that bet on because of his talent and because of the flexibility that we already have. Um, what do you, what does that, do you, does that make sense to you? You, know, you hear where I'm coming from? No, I totally hear that. And I think he's going to be worth, he'd probably be worth every penny. Like, let's be honest. If we did trade the pick for him, he'd be worth the contract because he's a great player and you can manipulate the, the cap and his contract to work every year. But when I bring up the cap, what I was talking about is, would you rather have Debo Samuel? Or if you really need a wide receiver, would you rather have Debo or Jamison Williams? And you get to pay a free agent next offseason $20 million per year. So you're going to get two guys. Um, and that's a decision that's hard to make because you don't, we don't know if that rookie wide receiver is going to hit. And we don't know who's going to want to come here. Uh, at some point, we have to go all in on the flexibility. But Part of it for me, I'm just having a hard time letting go of those first round assets. They've been the kind of the face of our rebuild for really the hope of it for the last year is we're going to get these first round picks for Deshaun Watson and we're going to find foundational pieces and hopefully go on to extend them. And we would be extending Debo, but mm -hmm. for a wide receiver too, like in my belief, and I don't know if you would disagree, our Vegas win total right now is four and a half games. I do not think it would go higher than five and a half games if we traded for Debo Samuel. This team needs a lot of help. I don't think he's worth more than one win with the current surrounding cast in Houston. And you do need to go get elite difference makers like that. I just question if this is the time and the place. Because with the way that the NFL is evolving in this player movement, there's going to be another disgruntled wide receiver, I think, in the future that you can go get if you want. Uh, it looks like players are going to make it known if they're not happy. Um, so the timing of it all is where I start to question. You know, that's actually a really great point. That's a really great point. Cause I, I was, I was about to push back and say the type timing may not seem right right now, but because I, I, I do agree. I think Debo is more of a guy who's like a finishing piece rather than someone who you're building your foundation around. He's not a quarterback. He's not a edge rusher, a tackle, something like that. Um, and so it's interesting. You mentioned like, 
the landscape of the NFL has changed so much. Every every off, it seems like every other week, one of these star players is is asking out, and it's just shocking the world. Like 49ers fans are in shambles right now, from what I've seen. They did not see this coming yeah. whatsoever. So that is a, definitely an interesting um, point of view. Jordan, conspiracy sure. theory time. Do you think that it's a relationship thing for Debo? Do you think he doesn't want to play running back? Do you think they lowballed him? Uh, based on what you're reading, if you had to guess, I think it's a mixture of all that. I don't. I don't think it's the relationship thing. I. I don't know his relationship with Kyle Shanahan and, and the 49ers, but I would say it is mainly that I think this is mainly coming from his agent, and what his agent is trying to do is get him out of a scenario where they are turning him into more of a running back than a wide receiver, because we've seen that running backs will deteriorate quicker than wide receivers, which means. You're going to have less playing time in the NFL, which means you're going to be able to make less money in the NFL. So I think that's where this is coming from in terms of Debo. He wants to go to a team where he's going to be used, utilized more as a wide receiver, which can extend his shelf life in the NFL. Um, and that's and getting really paid. Going to be. And get paid at the end of the day, because the Niners have shown year over year that, you know, they are willing to trade away an asset like uh, DeForest Buckner when they traded him to the Colts and then draft their replacements. Mm-hmm. So... And I believe it was literally the 13th pick that they traded Buckner for to the Colts. Um, and now they could yeah. potentially trade it to the Texans for the 13th pick. Um, so that's interesting. Um, there was something else I wanted to say that you mentioned. All right, you mentioned a few points ago. The whole thing about um, backtracking here, the whole thing about trading for Debo Samuel will be kind of like giving away two players. I agree with you on like the 13. Um, but I think on the in terms of like the free agent money that would be lost i feel like we just have so much money that it wouldn't really like i don't think he's taking away like obviously he's taking away from the money that we have but we still have so much that we still have stuff to pay and i don't think we're gonna be i don't think free agents are lining up to the point where they're gonna empty out our pockets is essentially what i want to say um but i do hear where you're coming from okay so we talked about kind of the the talent aspect of we talked about the cap aspect um let's talk about the scheme aspect of it and then we'll go into the compensation so how do you see Debo's fit with the Texans is it good is it bad I think he fits anywhere like we said he's one of the top 10 receivers in the NFL no one's disputing his talent but I think he's scheme proof he's a freak athlete he's strong he's great at the catch point uh he's a playmaker he'd be the he'd probably be the best football player on our team immediately Uh, Scheme-wise, I think Pep Hamilton could do it. He's never had access to a playmaker like Debo. Uh, he didn't have one when he was the when he was working with Justin Herbert when he was with the Colts. I'm sure Andrew Luck dreams he had a playmaker. Uh, Debo's, t- I mean, uh, T.Y. Hilton, I guess, was good, but I don't think he was ever. They're just different players. Exactly. Uh, so I think the scheme fit would be fine, but the question just becomes. So if Debo is pushing for the trade because he doesn't want to get paid, he wants to be paid like an elite wide receiver and he wants to play boundary receiver like that. How does his role change if he doesn't want to be used on these sweeps? And a lot of his, his versatility, you have to make the defense think because he can come back into the backfield or vice versa. If you have a linebacker that's covering him as a running back and he goes out wide, you're screwed. Or if you have a corner who's supposed to come into the box. So it's, what, what is his value with this new role he's trying to outline for himself? But in terms of could we make it work, I'm sold. What do you Yeah, 
I, I'm with you on that. I think he's one of those players that's, yes, he, he, we've seen kind of a blueprint of success, but he's just so all-around talented that you can use him in so many different ways. And I think the main thing is honestly just having him on the field is such a different threat that defenses haven't had to prepare for versus the Houston Texans, right? Even if he's not getting maybe the 20 carries a game, it wasn't 20, like 15 carries a game that he was getting for the Niners in the second half of the season in 2021, even if he's not getting that with the Texans, maybe he's getting like three to five. It's mainly just the threat of defenses know, okay, he could get this handoff. We see him go in motion, jet motion across the, the backfield. Like he could get the handoff. They have to prepare for that. It's something that they're going to have to game plan for every week, even if he's not getting all those touches as he was like in San Francisco. So I think that threat will still always be there. Um, and I know this thoughts that we have that he's, you know, yes, he's a great running back, but he's also will just be a, an absolutely great wide receiver is shared by a lot of, you know, I guess mainstream, whatever, big name media people. Um, Benjamin Solai, I think, worded it really well. Um, he was asked, like, which other coaches would you trust to deploy Debo correctly? And he said all of them. Like, nobody will be able to use him as effectively as a running back as Shanahan did, but that's fine, number one, because he doesn't want to really be a running back anymore. And number two, Ben says, Debo as a pure wide receiver is a three-level threat, meaning he can run routes short, intermediate, and deep. Shanahan is best for him, but Debo's good for everyone. So I think he's pretty, like, scheme-proof, um, which is what we've been saying. And then Mike Clay tweeted out a nice little statistical breakdown here in 2021. Just kind of this basically shows, you know, the difference of using Debo as a wide receiver and using him as a running back primarily. So weeks one through eight, he was primarily as a wide receiver and he led the NFL in 113 scrimmage yards per game. You know, only had six carries compared to 80 targets in those first eight weeks. Then they made him more of a running back and his yards per his scrimmage yards per game actually went down a little bit um but he was still very very effective you know what i mean like so i no. think this goes to show that he can do both and there's there should be no concern about him wanting to switch back to becoming a full-time wide receiver i think yeah. the, the film supports it and the the stats support it as well talent so, is what i'm worried about the least with any Debo acquisition yeah. it's all about price point and cost of acquisition um, yeah i think i mean He's a good football player, and good football players make plays. That was a great – Solak is so smart. I love reading his articles and his tweet. Dude dude just sees the the game in a great way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Debo would dominate the AFC South. I have no hesitation saying that. 100%. 100%. Um, so what will we give up for Debo? That's what we're going to get into now, talking about the compensation aspect for it. And Ben Albright just tweeted out – San Francisco setting the bar for opening offers at LOL. Zero chance anyone will trade that for Debo. So essentially, you know, it. we started this discussion um, with Tim from The Athletic and, and his proposal and kind of just thrown out there that the 13th pick could be involved. And that seemed fine for like a, a one for one. Like I'd, I'd be happy for that. Like I think if it was just purely the 13th pick for Debo, yes, there's risks involved, but I would pull that trigger. But... San Francisco has a good amount of leverage here and they are not just going to give him away for cheap. We are not going to get a David Johnson and second round pick type of uh, trade for Debo Samuel. What would you kind of hypothesize John would be the deal to get it done for Houston? To get it done. Yeah. I do think they probably want that 13th pick because you don't draft Trey Lance. If you don't intend to build around a rookie quarterback and a rookie contract, it's part mm -hmm. of why, 
them hanging on to Jimmy Garoppolo has been so confusing because that money could have been spent elsewhere to prepare for that run. Kind of, I think the Chargers are doing it better than anyone in the league right now in terms of building around Herbert being so cheap. So Debo's supposed to be a guy who helps Lance kind of take his step forward into the league, uh, be familiar with the offensive system, be familiar with how you're going to win. I don't think they want to trade him. I do think it'll probably take the 13th pick. And maybe they ask, it's just hard because the 13th pick is so much more valuable than, I think the, the two data points we have are the Devontae Adams trade and the Tyree Kill trade. The Devontae mm-hmm. Adams trade, pick 22, was the highlight, and they got a second round pick as well. And then for the Tyree Kill trade, they got pick 29 and pick 50 and three other later selections. I think on a draft value chart that pick 13, I don't think pick 50 and 29 would add up to um, going up 16 spots. So it's a really valuable pick. And I don't think Debo has done as much in the league, nor is he as good as those other players. Like he's not Devontae Adams. He's not Tyreek Hill. Those are two of the three best receivers in the league. So I would have some hesitation thinking that they would think they can ask for more than that. But Mm -hmm. the standard is a first round pick and more. Maybe that's the LOL. No one is trading. (laughs) He's like, I saw people saying the Jets should trade the 10th temp, the temp pick. And if I'm the Jets, there's no way I'm trading the 10th pick. And I feel similarly with, if I'm the Texans, I'm not trading the 13th pick unless compensation's coming back. Mm, okay. So you'd say maybe the 13th pick for Debo and what, like a day three pick? Probably a day three pick, late day two pick, maybe in the future, not this year. But okay. I'm uncomfortable with the price point because yeah. I don't. I don't like, and I'm adjusting because the league is evolving. I think wide receivers are more valuable now and more important towards winning than they've ever been. And you're going to have to pay for them like you pay for other premier positions. But for a wide receiver, I'm just, I'm having a tough time with that. What What do you think? Do you think the 13th pick would get it done? It's so hard to say because we don't, we don't have like a tangible, this is the list of teams Debo wants to go to. This is the list of teams that the 49ers are willing to deal with. Like, it's not like the Deshaun Watson thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it hasn't been that developed yet. So I don't know who we're, like, competing with, per se. But I would imagine that – I don't know that the Jets – like, That's... I don't think that they the Jets would put the 10th pick on the board. I think that they would put their two second rounders. Yeah. And the 13th pick is a lot more valuable than those two second round picks that the Jets hold, which I think are, like – 35 and 38 or something like that see Um, i would offer like a scatter of day two picks i just don't i don't think they'd want that like i would say you can have a two and a three this year and a two next year mm -hmm. kind of like the the carson Wentz trade but yeah the 10th pick yeah what i think we could do everyone's talking about the 13th pick because of that that report that by tim um but i think what could be more enticing on the texans point of this is giving up potentially one of those future cleveland brown picks because we don't know where they're going to land but it is more likely that they land lower than 13 would you would you agree with that i would agree the problem is though we don't know what year deshaun's going to be suspended for and that's the pick that i would want that's that's the pick i'm not trading okay yeah if he if he plays i agree it's probably Mm -hmm. a pick outside the top 20 yeah so i guess like the 2023 pick would probably be the year where watson gets suspended like you probably get suspended for this upcoming season rather than the next one so maybe giving that 2024 pick that's probably like the lowest one um where it would where it would convey is what i'm trying to say 
Yeah, this is also another interesting part of it is the age factor. Um, like you mentioned, the other kind of blockbuster wide receiver trades, Tyreek Hill and Devontae Adams. Tyreek Hill's 28 compared to Debo being 26. And 26 years old, he's only also had three years in the league. So age is like a valuable data point, but also like touches, snaps, that sort of stuff. Like 26 is usually you spend some more time in the league if you're 26 year old, but he's only spent three seasons. And one of those was lost due to, or half of that was lost due to injury. So I think there's not that much worry for me in terms of, oh, you're getting this guy and maybe we're not gonna be able to really compete for another two years and he'll be 28, like stuff like that. Like, I think I'm still fine with, Debo at that age, I think he's still going to be a guy who can perform pretty well, like into his early thirties, I would say. So are you worried about the age factor? Do you think that's just a bit too old or where, where do you stand on that, John? In terms of how I would view it if I'm Houston, no, I'm not worried. I think that he'll still be a pretty valuable player by the time. I mean, you and I have both said this when we've talked before, a rebuild should not last longer than two years. That should be the plan um, after this. So this is going to be year two. And after next offseason, I think Houston's going to be gunning for a playoff spot. That's going to be their goal. And he'll be there for that. And they won't really be contenders probably until the year after. But 28 years old, that's the height of your prime probably in NFL terms. I would push back on the age thing if San Francisco tried to tell us that his age makes him more valuable than the two guys who were just traded. Because two years is a minimal difference compared to I don't think it compensates for the lack of proven production that we've seen. That's fair. That's fair. That's a good point. Um, I actually want to answer this quickly from Primetime Bari. He says, should the 49ers be satisfied with just one, one first? We're talking about the trade compensation. Should they be satisfied with just one first? It's hard to say because when you're in this position where you have to deal with a player um, and it doesn't seem like, I mean, maybe, do you think, okay, I guess, do you think, you asked me where I think this is, this trade request is coming from. I guess I need to ask you as well. Do you think this is more, smoke and and Debo's just trying to push his leverage and get paid because I feel like that's kind of a big talking point in this in terms of what the compensation that 49ers can really get apparently he and Kyle Shanahan have a really good relationship so Mm -hmm. I imagine he would like to stay if they pay him but I bet there was some very not super disrespectful but I bet they lowballed him partially on the premise that they played him like a running back yeah you see all these reports he does not want to be a running back and he wants a good contract um in terms of if could they be satisfied I can't remember a wide receiver just in terms of I mean I'm going to go back to the draft value chart the 13th pick is I mean Stefan Diggs I think went for the 20th pick fifth rounder a few years ago uh, we just saw Devontae Adams and Tyreek go for 22 and 29. I think that'd be pretty phenomenal value for San Francisco, especially, I think, didn't they draft him outside the top 50? I think he was a third rounder or maybe a second rounder. I think he was like the 55th pick or something like that. Let me see. Draft pick. He was. Never mind, he was a 36 overall pick, so early second rounder. Oh, early two. But still, though, I mean – if you get that early one, you might get the the second. I mean, right now I think the Jets at 10 and the Commanders at 11 are going to take wide receivers. I don't know mm-hmm. how you feel like when you do your mock drafts, but you probably get the third wide receiver on the board. That's probably you could get a Drake London, a Chris Olave for one-tenth, one-fifth the cost of Debo. I think that would be a win for them, especially 
once the trade request goes public, like you said, it's a time bomb. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think this is an interesting thing. Uh, Nathan Gurecki says teams now know that Debo wants out. So I doubt they get as much as they want for him. It's it's tough, man, with this leverage battle. It really is. Um, <laughs> does anyone know if Debo Samuel has a no trade clause, man? Because that would be, oh, man. He's on a rookie deal, so he can either sit out and so he's he's on a second round contract. So I bet he's due four four or five this year, and he mm-hmm. either won't get paid and he won't accrue a year of service, and he'll definitely get traded if he sits out. Versus, I don't think he has any say. Is what I'm trying to get at. Yeah, there isn't a lot at stake for him to lose either compared to the future earnings if he can secure the trade. Yeah, I think he's in a tough situation. Um... So, man, I'm really interested to see how this turns out. My boy Ruben's here. What's up? He said he's all for Debo Samuel. Let's go. Honestly, the the main thing that I'm looking at this through is just the pure talent on the field acquisition and just, like, how much fun it would be have, it would, it would be to have a player like Debo Samuel on the Texans. Like, genuinely such an entertaining player to watch um, and a guy that you can kind of morph your offense around. Um, and I think he would be a big help to Davis Mills. He'd be a good fit for Pep Hamilton and the quick game offense that he wants. Like we're going to see a lot of screens and trying to get the ball out quickly to our guys and get yak. And, and there's no one better um, than Debo Samuel at doing that. So I think he'd be a big help. Like you talked about how Debo's supposed to help Trey Lance. Like he's going to help Davis Mills just pick up mm-hmm. easy yardage, um, whether it's on screens, whether it's over the middle of the field where he makes the bread and butter. Like. <sighs> It would be really, really fun, man. I, I I don't know if it's likely. Like, I guess this is where I want to end on this part, and then we'll get into some more draft discussions. What would you put the odds at um, that the Texans would actually make this trade for Debo Samuel? Like, I have a question for you after this. <laughs> yeah. uh, I want. Uh, I would say less than ten percent. You? Yeah, I think that's pretty fair. I think at least at the stage that we're at right now, where we're going off of pretty much just one reporter um and and saying that he's heard chatter that the houston texans are interested <sighs> yeah 10 percent, maybe <sighs> I, I'll, I'll bump it up a little bit i'll say there's like a 30 percent chance i think nick <sighs> i think nick really values debo and off what what, what makes you think that i think because of i think he's seen I would hope that he's learned kind of from his New England time and seeing that the wide receiver position is so like, uh, how do I explain this? You need playmakers at the end of the day. You need playmakers. And I think he got a lot of decisions, maybe not he, but they got a lot of decisions in the wide receiver aspect wrong. And it kind of set them back a little bit. And so I think now he might be valuing that position a little bit more as we see with the extension to Brandon Cooks, as we saw with, drafting Nico Collins last year, as we see with, they've been very interested in the top group of wide receivers, bringing in Traylon Burks, bringing in Jameson Williams. So mm. I think he's finding this new value for the wide receiver position. And Debo is just like a unicorn. So I think he will be enticed by that. It just would take some, I agree. And I think he's learned and we saw he paid Brandon Cooks when some around the league would have said that they did not need to pay Brandon Cooks. You have to have wide receiver talent to win, but it would go against the timeline of the rebuild, their philosophy mm-hmm. up to now. I just they've been cheap. So that's my biggest thing. And the Niners have to be willing to trade him. And yeah. And the other thing, he may not have a no trade clause, but if Debo won't sign an extension 
for the yeah. moment the trade is agreed upon, he's not, and they're not making the trade. So he kind of has a no trade clause in that way. Yeah. Two things to that. I think I would say like, like you talked a lot about um, kind of their plan so far, Nick being cheap. And I think it's definitely fair to say he's cheap um, in terms of cheap and, and maybe conservative in terms of uh, free agency. That's always how he's been. It's always how the Patriots have been. That's his philosophy. I don't really expect that to change. But I feel like at some point you do have to acquire talents. And I think what we've seen is he'll be a little bit more aggressive and willing to pay a little bit more in terms of trades, in terms of giving up draft picks. He's made so many, so many, so many trades, whether it's for guys who are supposed to be starters like Marcus Cannon, um, whether it was for Shaq Lawson, or whether it was for like later round draft picks in day three. Um, he's really been willing to kind of give up picks and show that he would rather get proven commodities. So that's kind of my thoughts on that. And then uh, you mentioned Question something. For you. Yeah. Question for you before we transition off Debo. You're the draft guru between the two of us. Let's say we trade the 13th pick. Who are you taking at three and 37? And did, does that change the equation for you, what you want to do at the top? Um, you know, my, my initial thought was it does, and I would want to kind of fully invest around Debo and get him a, a run-blocking offensive lineman like Evan Neal or Ike McQuonu. But now that we see that his main point of, of wanting to leave San Fran is to be more of a true wide receiver than a wide receiver slash running back, now I kind of go back on that and think, okay, well, if we're not going to give him 15 touches a game in terms of rushing, then we don't really need to invest that third pick in, in Evan Neal or Ike So For me, it doesn't really change. It's at three. I think you'd still go the best player available, um, whichever defender really falls in your lap there. And then at 37, you know, 37, it would change it because for me, that was a prime area to take a wide receiver. I think there, I think I have seven wide receivers with a second round grade. And so that's really the, the area that you want to target that position to get the most value. So now we wouldn't have to do that. And it would free us up to maybe get a corner, maybe get an offensive lineman, really wherever you want to go. So that's kind of how it would change for me. How would it change for you? You have the same thought. I think I would want to invest in the offensive line early, though, or I would feel better about it because right now I'm thoroughly, I'm thoroughly in the Kayvon or Sauce or Kyle Hamilton camp. Mm-hmm. They can love that comment. <laughs> but if you did that, I might want to make sure we have a little more time to throw. And you can't – Evan Neal and Akeem Kwonu both look like very high floor, high ceiling guys. And then at 37, I would definitely be going defensive back because the corner value at that pick is going to be crazy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's what we'll get into now. Jason Chukus has still taken sauce. And we'll transition to that because I believe it was Dane Brugler um, reported today that he – would I predict that Houston selects Sauce Gardner at three, the cornerback out of Cincinnati. He's a fan favorite. He's got one of the best names in the game. He's got a great resume. All the athletic and physical traits that you could want. How would you feel about Sauce at three, John? I think I'd like it. I, I have some hesitation about him and his side. There, there are holes in his game. He's not perfect. He probably isn't Jalen Ramsey. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's probably closer. I don't even know if he's Denzel Ward. But – He's sauce Gardner. He's a great in coverage. He's an absolute technician. It's beautiful cornerback play. Uh, I think you need a good corner in today's NFL, just someone that you can really trust on the boundary. He's a willing tackler. So I could get over concerns about, you know, we, the, the corners need to tackle and love his system, but he's willing to go at it. I would have to hope that it's something he's going to get better at with his angles and his technique as he plays at the NFL level. And 
there's so much corner depth in this class, but when you get the chance to bring sauce in and he's an attitude setter, he's like a, like a, he can define your defense in terms of some swagger and attitude there. I think I'd be excited. Yeah. I, I would be all for it too. I think he's one of the safer players in this class because of his proven resume and, and everything that you've mentioned. Um, my only thing is, I, w- I, w- I guess I'm being picky here and I'm splitting hairs here, is I think you could potentially, no, actually, you know, I w- I've always been thinking that, you know, trade down to eight or trade down to five or something like that and then go get him. Um, but I think, I think he's getting past the Jets. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I think the Jets at four is, is probably the lowest he could go. So you probably have to take him at three. Um, and I think I'd be, I'd be pretty happy with that. It would hurt me a little bit to, to not get Kayvon or to, or to get uh, Kyle Hamilton. But I think Gardner can give us that lockdown cornerback one that, uh, you know, JC Jackson, Stephon Gilmore, that type of guy that Nick has really had a lot of success with in building out rosters. So I'd be for it. Um, he's met with the Texans three times, I believe. So he's definitely at the top of their list, up, right up there with some other guys. And one of our favorites, Kyle Hamilton, is in town. He's in NRG. Thank the Lord. They're meeting with him. They're figuring out what the hell. Sorry, they're figuring out what the hell happened with his 40-yard dash. Um, And they're getting to learn about the God that is Kyle Hamilton. Now, John, has your thoughts on him kind of changed in terms of selecting him at three? Probably a little bit, but it's not because I think less of him is a prospect. It's just that the draft is an exercise in finding value. You know, if you can take a player at 60, you're not going to take him at 20. And what's kind of coming, that's a drastic example, but something coming in is if you think Hamilton's going to fall outside the top 10, which right now I think it sounds extremely likely that he would fall out of the top 10. I see this comment sauce at three and Kyle Hamilton at 13. Would y'all do it? Yes. Um, If you can get Kyle Hamilton at three, that's okay. But if you can get him at 13, that's the best pick of the first round. So my my thoughts are only changing because I see an avenue where you can get two elite guys and end up with him. Yeah. Would you take the chance that he falls? I think you kind of have to at this point. I think you framed this perfectly in terms of the draft being an exercise and in, in finding the right value. It's always about value. It's always about trying to take the best player available, especially when you're in the Texans position such an early stage in the rebuild, you know, barren roster, like just get the best player available at the right value. And so I think sauce or even cave at three, I'd be very happy with. And then you're praying that a guy like Kyle Hamilton can fall there, or maybe it's someone else, maybe Stanley. They've been doing a lot of homework on him. Maybe it's Jermaine Johnson. I think I keep going back to this thought that the Texans are in such a great position that it's going to be hard to, you know, be upset with whoever they end up picking. And that's the great part about having, two first round picks and the circle back to the Debo Samuel thing, man. Oh, you're right, John. You're right. It's so exciting to have these two first Mm -hmm. round picks, the possibilities, man. I want these rookies and I want them bad. I mean, you and I might need to form a support group if they don't end up drafting Kyle Hamilton. It's going to be hours of our lives in uh, mental (laughs) space taken up thinking about this Notre Dame safety, but yeah, they really can't go wrong. And I do think he's going to, he could make it to 13. And so we're going to have probably three tackles, Aquonu, Neil, Cross, four edges. I think Trayvon Walker, Aiden Hutchinson, Kayvon Thibodeau, and Jermaine Johnson. And then you need the two corners to go, two wideouts, and a quarterback, and you're there. Exactly. So this is the 
draft order. Um, let's kind of, you want to hypothesize kind of one to 13 and see, you know, is it realistic that Kyle Hamilton can fall? Yeah, let's do it. Let's okay. Do it. Jacksonville. It seems like there's just so many freaking reports and I'm going to have Lori Fitzpatrick um, on the pods tomorrow and we'll get her thoughts kind of on who Jacksonville is, is really leaning. Cause there's so much noise. Is it Aiden Hutchinson? Is it still Ikema Kwanu or Evan Neal? Is it Trevon Frickman Walker going number one? A um, lot of smoke. Where I think they end up going is is still Aiden Hutchinson. What about you, John? Yeah, I keep coming back to that. I uh, I did sprinkle a little money on Trayvon Walker to be the first pick okay, because okay. the value was there. But, uh, yeah, I think Aiden Hutchinson is going to be the first pick. I mean, Trent Baalke's job is on the line. He cannot screw this up. It's either – I think him – and I'm, this can lead into Detroit – I think him and Kayvon, after all this speculation, are still going to end up going first and second overall together. Oof, so I think so. I think Kayvon could go number one. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. So there's been recent reports out of Detroit saying that Dan Campbell and their team over there does not like Kayvon Thibodeau's work oh. ethic and all of that stuff. Now, is that more smoke or is it, okay, there's all this smoke. It must be some sort of fire. Who freaking knows, man? Because it's 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 rumor season, it's smokescreen season. I have no idea what to believe, but that has kind of been my thought from the beginning since those Kayvon Thibodeau rumors came out. Is if there's any coach that doesn't like that, it is definitely ankle biting Dan Campbell. Dan Campbell. <laughs> well, if it's not him, I still think it's an edge. I think Trayvon Walker yep, will be the guy there. I agree. I agree. Okay, so let's pencil in Aiden Hutchinson at one. You know what? Should we just do this in like a mock draft format? It'll be easier, huh? Is there a platform that lets us pick for every team? Yes, sir. Yes, right. sir. Let's do this. Be easier to visualize because I know I have short-term memory issues. I was having to write it down. So, <laughs> Perfect, perfect. Okay, so Jags, let's say they take Hutchinson. And then I agree. I think it's very possible that Walker goes too. I think there's a lot mm-hmm. of hype behind him right now. So that three, we're saying sauce. Sauce is the move. Sauce, yes, sauce, sauce it up. Move. I'd be happy with that. Then at four, you know, this is a tough spot, but I feel like Kayvon, like I think they would love to have sauce, like you just said, but I think Kayvon makes a lot of sense for the New York Jets at four. Mm-hmm. You agree? I agree. I think then, they could go O-line, but I think Kayvon makes too much sense for Robert Sala. Now at five, the Giants, I feel like they just need to take the best offensive lineman available, whether they believe that's Ike McQuanu or Evan Neal. Who knows? I think they need a true tackle, and I think Neil is the best pure left tackle on the board. I think so, too. I think he would pair very well with Andrew Thomas at their right tackle spot, and you have your your tackle duo for whoever the hell the quarterback is. Probably not Danny Dimes, but we'll see. Six, man. Um, Is this just easy as it seems? Is it Malik Willis for the Carolina Panthers? The friends that I made during the Watson trade saga, um, my people in Carolina, they think that Jimmy Garoppolo and Baker Mayfield will be the quarterback. Um, in within a two weeks time frame, so I would personally put Iki Aquonu here. Iki okay. Yeah, I think Aquonu comes in. He's exactly what they need for that Carolina line, and they'll bring in a veteran stopgap who can help them win immediately. Because I mean, Carolina is a bad team with a bad coach, but the roster is great. They should be mm-hmm. winning games, and I think that he's kind of the finishing piece on. Hey, Matt Rule, our offense is ready to like make it work. Um, would you disagree? 
No, I think I think you're right. I think they might go the Baker Mayfield route or some other veteran quarterback, um, and then wait till 2023 when they have a better core to support that quarterback. I'm a big believer in you know build the house first before you get your quarterback. So build the line, build the weapons, and and whatnot. So I'm gonna slot. We are going to slot Ekin Aquonu to the Panthers at six. Now, as we make our way to 13 for the Texans, we our next stop is the New York Giants at seven. Oh, man. See, this is where I feel like Kyle Hamilton could go. I think they could go edge as well, or maybe even Stingley. Because I know this is, where, been... this is where I've been penciling in Jermaine Johnson. I there think he has too much noise, like, within 10 to 15. When every team that's picking between 11 and 15 wants a guy, they usually go higher. You know, when everyone talks about a guy getting him in the early second, and that kind of tells you, oh, he's going to be a first-round pick. Jermaine Johnson feels like especially looking at his player profile, someone who the NFL might be higher on than the scouting community that is the media. Yeah, I think his evaluation will really come down to, you know, the interviews and Mm -hmm. going through his story of going through JUCO, going to Georgia, then transferring to FSU and and just trying to get his perspective on that and and why he did that. Um, I think that'll make or break it. But I do believe, yeah, top 10 makes sense for him. Seven, is probably as high as I can see him going, but I, I don't hate it because I am very high on him. So he's going to be the guy to the Giants at seven. Now the Falcons at eight. <sighs> Another Kyle Hampton spot, in my opinion, just in terms of pure best player available. But I think Charles Cross could also be very interesting to them. Malik Willis at eight. That still makes a lot of sense to me. One of these wide receivers, Stingley even too. Where do you think the Falcons go with this? someone who's lived in Atlanta a long time, whenever you think the Falcons need to address a foundational need, they take a wide out. (laughs) They take take Kyle Pitts. They take Julio Jones. They take Calvin Ridley. Um, It would be very Atlanta for them to go. I could see Garrett Wilson here. I could see Jamison Williams. And I also think Derek Stingley to take an SEC corner and try to build a duo around AJ Terrell and Stingley. Those would probably be... This, I agree with you that this is the crux point. If Hamilton makes it past pick eight, I feel very confident about him not going nine, 10, or 11. Yeah, I think it's definitely between eight and nine, um, these next two. But I agree with you. I think, you know, with their wide receiver room being as barren as it is, it would be a lot of fun to pair up a guy like Garrett Wilson with Kyle Pitts and then, you know, push off quarterback till 2023. And then, boom, you've already got two established weapons right there. They need help on offense, and I think Garrett Wilson is a perfect pick for them. So that's going to be the pick for the Falcons at eight. Now we've got the Seahawks at nine. See, this this could be a really fun Kyle Hamilton spot because he's versatile, can play with Quandre Diggs back there. They got what happened to what happened to Jamal Adams in your? They're paying Quandre top ten safety money. They're paying Jamal Adams top three safety money. I, I don't think this is. I think this is Charles Cross or a quarterback. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. I think I, I view Adams a little bit differently. I think I view him more as like kind of a linebacker okay. um, than a safety. And I feel like having those three kind of different skill sets would be really fun for the Seahawks. But that's a little bit more of like a, a Madden situation. I, I would I would agree with. Um, Charles Cross, yeah, that makes sense. They have needed an offensive line for forever. Mm-hmm. Um, Dwayne Brown's only getting older. I don't even know if they have re-signed him, actually. But, yeah, let's pencil on Charles Cross to the Seahawks. Can I talk about my conspiracy theory at pick nine? Yeah, it is 
Desmond Ritter at pick nine. Oh God, would be very Seattle. Oh God, tell, tell me what organization more than anyone in the league takes second round, early second round guys, and they take them in the first. He's he's a Pete Carroll quarterback. He's a game manager, well built, good decision maker. They could win quickly with. That would be my. Uh, if there's going to be a shock in the draft, I think it would be at nine. I don't know if it'll be him, but Seattle always does something funky. They always pull a rabbit out of the hat. That is for sure. I think Ritter would be really interesting. I think, you know, they've hyped up Drew Locke and they've said they're high on him, but I just I just can't see that, man. I just can't. Nothing about Drew Locke gives me confidence. He's terrible. <laughs> he started a whole seat. He had that one game against the Texans that lost us home field advantage. Thank you, Drew Locke. And then he has been terrible for the rest of his career. So. Yeah, he's just been downhill. But we'll see. I think Charles Cross would definitely be the pick to go because you, as a team that is very much in a similar position like the Texans, you know, just build the trenches out. Just build that foundation. Um, now with the Jets at 10, I think they're in a perfect spot to take Derek Stingley, and they come out of here with a haul, getting Kayvon Thibodeau and Derek Stingley. We talked a lot about them potentially wanting sauce at four. Well, next best option for them might very well be Stingley, so I'm not even going to let you speak, John. That's Ooh. the pick for the Jets at 10. Okay. <laughs> Wilson gets no receivers. All the receiver noise there is – but that's that's fine because in our we need two receivers off in the top 12, and mm-hmm. I think that the commanders kind of need to make the Carson Wentz move work. They've got yep. two great running backs that they like. Uh, I think adding a receiver to be opposite of Terry McLaurin and Curtis Samuel is more of a gadget guy. Um, either Drake London or Jamison Williams here would make a lot of sense. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out. I agree with you. Um, and I'm trying to figure out who would be the best. Like, who do, who do they think would be the best fit for them? Pair with Terry McLaurin. I feel like, like McLaurin gives you the speed, the route runner type of guy that you can move around so i feel like they would kind of want drake london to compliment him you got the big body contested catch guy red zone threat who can also be a power slot would you agree you think that's a move yeah i think he is and i think nfl types are going to be higher on london than the media is because a year ago they were talking about london like a top five pick um i, I think london could go he's, he's he kind of feels like the forgotten guy of the five because he he wins in the least sexy way. I don't know if you would agree with that, but like Alave, Wilson, Williams, um, they they all win with their speed and flash. And Drake mm-hmm. London just kind of grown man's people. Yeah, it's just bully ball, man. It really is. It's it's fun to watch, um, but it's not as flashy. I would agree. Um, okay, we are almost at the Texans pick, man. The Vikings at twelve, and I don't like seeing that their top need is a safety. You think there's a different direction that they could go? I think. I think. Sorry, you no, go ahead. I think Jordan Davis makes a lot of sense for them, mm-hmm. or Devonte Wyatt. Either of those DTs um, building out the O, o line, like they've done a pretty decent job of that. But I think they could still use more help there. Um, we know they like to go corners. They'd like to invest in their corners. Sorry, ah man, this they could really go anywhere here. Tyler Lindenbaum makes so much sense for their scheme and what they want to do with Dalvin Cook and their their zone scheme. Where do you see the Vikings going at 12? I think if this happened in real life, this is where we'd see a trade. I think the Pittsburgh Steelers are right there at 20. Uh, I think their infatuation for Malik Willis is very, very public uh, if he made it this far. And 
there's kind of a framework for what that would look like too. I think Chicago made the same jump from 20 to 12 last year with the New York Giants to go get Justin Fields. So in my head, this, this kind of could be anyone that wants Willis could come up, whether that's the Saints, the Steelers, or even someone lower down the totem pole. Okay. I like that idea a lot, John, honestly. And since you, you mentioned, I think numerous teams could, could do that move. And I agree with you. Let's just keep the Vikings picking here for now. And we'll say, you know, this is a trade up spot for Malik Willis. He finally goes off the board and that leaves the Houston Texans at 13. We did it. We made the math work. Kyle Hamilton is available. And I think this is a very realistic and, and not far fetched scenario whatsoever. In my opinion, um, I think all these teams would honestly be pretty happy with these picks. Yeah. So is it, is it, it's this easy, huh? Just Kyle Hamilton at 13, man. Question for you. If this yeah. is how the board fell, how confident are you that Nick Casario would pick Kyle Hamilton at 13 over these other players? I think, it'd still, be a, I think it'd still be a toss up, honestly. Yeah. I, uh, you know, looking back at it, like, he has had some safeties in the past where he's seen like the value, like a guy like Devin McCourty um, with the Patriots and Nick has always liked to build back to front. So I, I want to believe that he would value a guy like Kyle Hamilton and his versatility to play all throughout the secondary and, and even some linebacker. But I just don't know, man. I just don't know if, if it's the right move because what we went sauce at three, right? So I, I would assume yeah. that, Oh, whoops, I'm clicking on the wrong thing. I would assume that they also want to get a trenches guy, whether that's O line or D line. Um, so I think Jordan Davis could be very intriguing. I think Zion Johnson and George Karloftis could also be intriguing. And then of course, Kyle Hamilton. So it'd be those four. What do you think? What would you put the odds at? He's, I think he would have to be the highest graded player on their board. Like the other guys we're talking about just did not play as well in college as him. They're not six, four, 230 pound safeties, but it, it kind of gives me the sinking feeling in my stomach from, I don't know if you were a Teddy Bridgewater guy in 2014, but when it got to pick 31 and the Texans had pick 33 and it was like, Oh my God, like, like Teddy Bridgewater is like going to be a Texan. Like if they make, and then he just wasn't. So yeah. I, my stomach would still kind of be turning, but I'd like to think they take him and I mean, think about the ad campaigns they could like, you know, we'd see some <laughs> like no fly zone stuff with Kyle Hamilton and sauce. I hope they would do it. Dude, Legion of Boom 2.0. Yes. We'll see it happen. So there is our, our top 13 at the moment as of what? We're uh, a week out from the draft, man. God mm -hmm. damn. We're going Jacksonville with Hutchinson, Detroit with Trevon Walker, the Texans with Ahmad Gardner, the Jets with Kayvon Thibodeau, the Giants with Evan Neal, the Panthers with Ikem Ekwonu, the Giants again with Jermaine Johnson, the Falcons with Garrett Wilson, the Seahawks with Charles Cross, the Jets with Stingley, the Washington Commanders with Drake London. X team trades up to 12 from Malik Willis. Maybe it's the Steelers. That's probably the most likely team there. And then boom, the Texans get Kyle Hamilton, man. What would you, if that is our haul, what would you give it, you know, one to 10? I'd be so excited. I mean, it probably doesn't make the most football sense like i would like to address the trenches too but there's great offensive line depth on day two i'd be freaking out they're two they're probably two of my three favorite guys in the first round i would love i'd be very ecstatic too i give it a 10 out of 10 um i think going off of that like yeah like you said like we'll still have what nine picks to address the o-line and d-line like 
moves can be made. It, it'll work itself out. I think at the top of the second, guys I would prioritize are you know Arnold Abiquete out of Penn State in terms of an edge, in terms of a you know left guard. Maybe Kenyon Green falls. Maybe you have to trade up. I would I would trade up a little bit into the end of the first. Give up a, mm, a sixth. Maybe it's a fourth. You have to give up something like that uh, to get there. I mean, it depends on how many spots. But yeah. I give up as much as like probably even pick 80 if like if Kenyon Green's on the board or Zion Johnson's still on the board mm-hmm. you can just go ahead and oh hey we got the sexy defensive backs and we took care of the offensive line yeah it'd be really hard to say no to I, I agree with you for Zion I agree I think he's that talented um but man that was a fun practice and I guess I want to kind of finish this off. We we hit everything. We hit everything. Basically. I think we did. We talked yeah. about Sauce. We talked about Hamilton. We talked way too much about Debo Samuel. <laughs> yeah, just to wrap it up, I guess I'll say if you guys want to catch our, our Debo discussion, because that is kind of the main topic of this stream, definitely go rewind it. We spent the first probably 25 to half an hour discussing it. Mm-hmm. So check that out. Um, if you missed the show, it will also be going live on YouTube. Or sorry, not live. It'll be up on YouTube. It'll be the audio version will be on. On Apple and Spotify podcast for the Believe in Texans at B L E A V, as you see on the screen. Um, yeah, that's that's really it, man. You guys like the video? Subscribe if you haven't. We're on the road to six thousand subscribers. And sorry, yes, John, go for it. Oh, also, uh, please uh, give us a follow at the Texans Wire. You can exactly. follow me at John H Crumpler. I'm at fifteen ninety nine. If any of you guys want to push me to sixteen hundred. And uh, Jordan, thank you for having me on. Thank you, John. I was just about to hand it over to you, but that's perfect segue to end this off. Yes, follow my boy John H. Crumpler at on Twitter. He's very deserving of it. Um, and we'll see more from us in the future, 100%. Uh, I think that's really all I got for y'all. That'll do it for the show. Hope you guys have a great rest of your day. And remember, the film don't Bye. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.